In the following live session recording, Steve Brown discusses Bivocational Music Ministry 101, Where's My Cape, Superheroes in Ministry. Christian bivocational ministers find themselves dealing with conflict, managing schedules, planning worship, leading choirs, and a myriad of duties that are placed on their desks each day. Mix all that with another job, along with home and family responsibilities, the tasks can be daunting. Steve has experienced this personally. His insights in bivocational leadership will provide the tools needed to serve with effectiveness and joy. Let's join Steve now. All right, let's, uh, let's get started. Let's, um, I'm trying to figure out how the best way to do this, because there are just three of us. I want more to be a, more dialogue than just lecture. So I'm going to sit down over here, and let's just chat. Uh, and we'll just do that that way. Um, in case you all do not know, this is Mary Margaret Willis. Mary Margaret is a part of the worship and music staff at the Florida Baptist Mission Board. She is a volunteer that comes in about three or four days a week and does all the accounting. She does the internet stuff. I mean, it's a valuable part of what happens in the worship and music ministry area. And so uh, she's kind of our host for today and she'll make sure you, she gets your name and then address and those kind of stuff. So make sure we got that. But uh, um, anyway, we'll get started with that. Um has been in my class. Bill, not. Uh, Phil, Phil knows me, so we're good, okay? Uh, but, uh, Bill and I have already talked a little bit, so we know he knows who I am a little bit. But, uh, um, as I said, I've, I've served, this is 45 years in music ministry. I guess that's the reason John, you know, where's my cape? If somebody can make it that long, maybe, you know, might have a little bit of opportunity. John Duncan is the one that came up with this title for this class. But, uh, um, We'll talk about those, how, how do you survive long-term? And that's kind of one of the things I want us to chat about. Uh, and answer any questions that you may have. That's kind of what I want to do in this one. I don't want it to be something where it's more lecture style, but I want it to be more dialogue, how, we, how I can help you and encourage you in your ministry. Um, if you were not here earlier, I have a couple of things back there if you're interested in picking them up. One of them is a, uh, uh, it's a little, stack of materials about how to if you're using lifewayworship.com and you want to understand how to do that more there's a thing on how to do that how to make cds from lifewayworship.com and if you've never used the tool called planning center online there's a, a, a resource back there on how to use that and use and make that effective uh, all right i want to begin let's pray together Father, thank you for the day that you give us. Thank you for the opportunity of serving you, for the joy that we have as being part of church music and the life of the church. And I pray, God, that you would just allow everything that we do at this time to be uh, honoring to you, to be an encouragement to these, and just to, uh, to gain from each other. And so, God, I pray that you would just use this time to glorify your name. For it's your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. I'm going to sit and chat. All right. Uh, I have kind of put down six or seven things that I want to kind of talk about and um, then go through it and let you hear from me and let, I want to hear from you. Um, one of the things that 
I, I talked about and I thought about was if I can make this thing work. Probably not. I'll have to get up here and do it. Let's see here. Slideshow. Go. There. Um, one of the things that I, I'm confident about and one of the things that I think we each need to be confident about is the fact that wherever you're serving, God's called you to that place. You're there for a specific task. You're there for a reason. And um, sometimes that's hard to recognize. Sometimes that's hard to uh, uh, feel like you're really being accepted. But Debbie, I want you to tell us how you got where you are. Well... I was already a member there. I had prior ministry experience where I go to say that I'm really just a choir director that a music minister is a label that got later and that I'm trying to find my way with with that perception change for me. But our um, our choir director resigned and I didn't put my name in the hat. But I'm the local chorus teacher. The people there knew I had finished my master's degree in music education, so I had the, the skill set. I had the skill set, and uh, one of the ladies, I was in my yard, working in the yard, and she pulled up in the driveway, and she said, I want you to know why you haven't. And I said, I don't want to. She said, have you prayed about it? And I said, I have. She said, and how do you feel about that? I said, I probably should, but I don't want to. And uh, I, I have a long reckoning with God about whether or not to apply. But I was the only one who applied. And I ended up with a position, and I thought, uh, it's, it's a good church. I, lo I love my church family. But at that point in my life, I did, I did not want to be in charge anything. You're already in charge of something at school you didn't want me to Well, I'm in charge of that and my two children and I, I thought I I didn't want to be in charge but I so I hate to say but I did come to the position unwillingly at first but now I'm in it and I want to do right by God by being the best I guess music minister now yeah. that I can be. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been in that position? Two years. Okay. And Three pastors. Lordy mercy, <laughs> bless your heart. And so it's been a, a it, it's been challenging. Yeah, three pastors in two years. Well, we had we had a pastor that came in right before I took the job, and then he stayed less than a year. And then we had our interim that stayed for about six months, and then we got our new pastor. And he and I personally get along great, but he uh, he has a lot of new ideas, but he's not got any music background, so lots of times he doesn't understand what he's asking for to happen. <laughs> like, I don't That's disagree not that unusual at all. it would be amazing if we could do that, but do you understand what you're asking for? I'm not telling you no, I'm just saying you've got to find me a praise band, because right now all we have is a piano and an organ in <laughs> And that song's not going to work with piano in Oregon, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. So, mm -hmm. it's, it's been a wild ride. I've been in Hess. Why did he want to have a praise man? Um, not that he wanted to have a praise man, but we would, 
something that you said in the very first training that I was in, the plug and chug, the organist chose the hymns yes. when I started and I kind of managed the choir and our pastor then was very old fashioned, very more straight, everything out of the hymnal. And I'm okay, but our music is music to me. I love it all. Yeah, so I'll, it all. whatever we want to sing, as long as it's biblical, I'm for it. Let's sing it. Um, but we were kind of in that rut. And we do need to be mindful of not falling behind with, <coughs> with worship music. And there is so much out there that our congregation shouldn't be able to predict. Well, it's the third Sunday of the month, right. so we're, we're singing these songs. Oh, yes, yeah. So yeah. he he was coming from a place of there's so much music out there, we're ignoring it. And I said, you're right. But some, <laughs> some of the songs that you're asking for um, don't work well with piano and organ. And so we're either going to have to get a track, which our organ is, organist is violently opposed to, and I, I understand. Of course. And I don't know. So organists are. Yeah. The right feel. Feels <laughs> <laughs> an organist. Well, and, and our organist is phenomenally talented. And I'm afraid that, you know, I think every, every person in my position, when you're starting this transition to more contemporary music, you're afraid you're going to lose your 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 better musicians that are not maybe a fan of I'm very blessed to have two amazing accompanists. They both have degrees and they both are and we're a small church. Yeah. So for us to have what we have is amazing and I don't want to lose it, but at the same time we're we've got to step up our game a little bit and, and tr- we we got a screen, a projector with a screen about Four months ago, I think, and it's been kind of, um, and you know, I, I feel like since it's mostly music related that I have caught most of the backlash of course. off of that, even though that I, I would have never thought to put a screen up there. I was perfectly content putting the words in the bulletin and every once in a while, you know, yep. doing it that way, but yep. it's all right. <laughs> It'll go. What, what hymnal is in the pews? It is the edition prior to this, is the, bad, the Baptist hymnal. And we still, I mean, we still sing songs out of the hymnal. We haven't put it aside. And I've had to do that deep reassurance. We're not, um, I think our organist words where you can pry the animal out of my cold dead hands. <laughs> That's yeah. it. We're not, we're not doing away with the hymnal. We don't do away with the hymns. They're the theology of our church. So, and, and our pastor, everything, he wants everything to be a medley. <laughs> Yeah. You're not saying, Mike, by the time I filter for Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see you. Yeah. By the time I filter through what you're preaching on, because well, he, he does at least send me a spreadsheet of this is what I'm preaching on. Yeah. When? So, when uh, I usually get about a month prior. Well, that's great. I never I get, get that. I get a month at a time. Okay. And and a lot of times he does a series, so that gives me a lot of guidance. Like right now he's preaching on the book, and I can't remember the author, but I'm reading it along with him. It's called Disciple Shift. Okay. And it's about how it's you go from from telling to teaching. Right. And uh, our last sermon was on from going to program to purpose. Like you have a program, but you what's your purpose about? 
So I do have guidance on what he's preaching on, but by the time I filter it through that and through what we know and through key signatures and what will transition, everything can't always be a medley. You're right. And so that's my, honestly, I'm blessed to say that's my biggest challenge right now is everything can't be a medley. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't like any downtime in the sermon. The great thing is God has put you in a position with that musical skill to guide him on, and that's good. Uh, and you will be as much an influence on him as he is on you. Uh, and that, to me, is one of the things that's hard for some pastors to accept. Uh, I, I will say that our first several months were not easy. Right. We had to come to terms with one another. Um, which, with the interim, I was kind of doing as I pleased, yes. you know, because he only popped in on Sunday morning. Yeah, you, you didn't know, know what he's going to preach. And no clue. Thing. We just yeah. did our thing, and so right. we did. We did have a, a little, and I could turn in, you know, a month at the <laughs> worship service at the time and yeah. give it to the church secretary and the choir could practice in their land. So, <laughs> so it's been it's been a, an adjustment period. Yeah. So. Bill, share a little bit about how you got where you are. Uh, well, um, we're in Thomaston at Trinity Baptist, and it's a small church. Um, my wife and I were doing a church plant in, in Missouri, outside of Springfield, Missouri, and felt like the Lord wanted us to come back to the East Coast because our parents are aging and need our help. So we felt uh, that, and so we moved to Thomaston because it's kind of, it's, it's within where I can work for my full-time job, and uh, but it's close enough to my parents. And it also happens to be the town where my twin brother is a pastor of the one of the Baptist churches downtown. Uh, so <laughs> nobody wants their pastor to be their brother. I mean, their brother to be their pastor. <laughs> so uh, we were we felt like the Lord was telling us to go to another church. That's not true. The Lord did tell us to go there, but I think maybe what He was doing was just kind of hanging out, waiting. Yeah. Um, and uh, that church was growing. I was playing guitar, and boy, that was just a lot of fun. At the church plan, I had been leading the worship and doing everything, trying to grow the the praise band and try to instill intrinsic desire in them to better what they're doing for the Lord and all of that. When I was just the guitar and the praise band, that was fun. Just I was just playing. Yeah, guitar, and it was just great. But then uh, my uh, my brother's church, they, they lost their choir director, and right immediately at that same time, they're pianist, and they have no organist, and it's a very traditional-looking church. A lot of traditional ideas as well. And so he asked me if I would come in and kind of help, help um, in the interim a little bit, and then after a little bit, they asked if I would be their permanent their permanent interim pastor, I mean, worship leader, why they were calling, calling another one. So uh, I, I did that. And we actually have very little issues there because he's my twin brother and we think and agree and have preferences of the same on almost everything. Yeah. So that works out well. He has a great heart for the Lord and he really wants to build worship and to build a sense of worship. The, right. um, um, they had gone through a period of time where it was a little bit more rote, perhaps. Um, and so he was he's really looking to try to instill a sense of worship, but a need for worship within. And I have a heart for that because I come from a discipleship uh, yearning that the Lord has given me. So uh, 
right now, my biggest uh, issues as I go there is that it's a smaller church. I, I do happen to have, though, a good keyboardist, a decent one, uh, where I'm, but I'm having to try to train her in that. I've got a, uh, a cajon, a, bull, a young man on a cajon, because we just don't have a drum set. We don't have any other instruments. I play a guitar, and I'm not bad. Uh, so I can carry it by myself, but part of worship is doing your best for the Lord, honing your craft, trying to get it better and better, I believe. So I'm trying to, to do that. And uh, my biggest issue right now probably is just that the choir thinks that it's like a volunteer, come as you go kind of a thing. They'll show up, you know, 15 minutes into practice, or perhaps after I've said practices at this time, please be, please be on time, please you know, be on point. Or they'll come in right five minutes before the service and think, well, I can, I can just sneak in because that's what they've always been able to do. So they they don't understand any of the direction that I've given, anything that we've practiced. And uh, how, do I, how do I get them to understand that this is a ministry? Yeah. Are you praying for it? Are you preparing for it? Right. Are you working on your instrument, which is your voice? Uh, are, are you there to lead worship? Are you there just to have a good time singing in the choir? Um, so... I did put in my resume for the position that they're going for. I was kind of like you. I was waiting for it. Let's say at the Lord, I didn't get that. And after a while, I came to the realization that I don't necessarily have to have it. Let's say at the Lord. There's a need. I have skill. I don't have formal training, but I've been around the block a time or two. And uh, that's what they need right now. So if not me, who else? Why not? So I put it in there. The Lord will do what he wants to do. Well, and I think everybody in this room would agree. God puts us in those places, even sometimes when we're not suspecting that we're going to be in those places, yeah. or that uh, it was even our desire or His desire for us to be in there in the first place. You oh, know, yeah. He just kind of says, "Okay, you've got the skill set. I'm going to put you right here right now for this reason." And uh, all of a sudden, it becomes evident of why you're in those locations. Yes, sir. Uh, and so. To me, as we look down at you know at longevity in ministry, one of the things I think about is the fact that God's kind of called every one of us. If we're in music ministry, God's placed a calling on our heart and our life in what we're doing. You know, I, I mentioned the simple fact that back February I got I was downsized out of our convention after being there for twelve years. And one of the things I had to evaluate is where am I going? What am I going to do? And I kept coming back to that simple fact, God has called me. God has placed within me a desire to worship, lead, and to be a part of leading worship. And I am not ready, I know this, I am not ready to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else do it. Yeah. I want to be involved in it. Isn't that the hardest thing to me? Yes. <laughs> Watching somebody else It is it. very hard. And that's the reason I couldn't do it yet, you know, uh, just to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else because <laughs> you've been doing it 45 years, you know, yeah. uh, and to watch somebody, I couldn't do that. And that's the reason God just continued to push me in where I am now. I, uh, I was doing the interim. I was helping them try to search for a new music minister. We were doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing to get to a new music minister position. And come to find out, every time they would talk to somebody, they said they would tell them, I did not know this, we really want Steve, but he decided that he didn't feel like he could continue to come up here and we didn't 
drive this far and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know they were saying that to every candidate they were talking to. No wonder they didn't get anybody. And I thought, no wonder you exactly. No wonder you're not getting anybody. You're comparing everybody to me, and I'm not that good. But you know, come on now, you know. And so uh, finally, me and the Lord had a little conversation on my way home one night, and um, I finally put a little fleece in front of the Lord and said, "Look, okay, Lord, if they ask me again, I probably will do it because." Uh, I, I love these people, I love the opportunity, and I want to be leading somewhere and nothing else has come up. And so that Wednesday night, the pastor kicked to me and said, okay, look, we talked to all these guys. We're close to talking to this guy and we'll settle for him, but we really want you. Would you stay? And I thought, hmm, Lord, why did you do that? You know, I got an hour and 45 minute commute, but okay. And I'm saying, uh, God's called me to that place at this point, this time. And I think every one of us, as we try to look down the road of, of where God's going to use us and uh, survive in ministry, if we can't fall back to that calling, uh, there's no place else to go. We've got to know that God has placed us, God has called us to do the gift, to use the gifts and the talents He's given us, however skilled we are. He has gifted us and talented us. Um, one of the things I constantly remind my choir for, or the musicians that I'm working with right now, is this is more than about us. This is about Him. This is about presenting for Him a gift of offering, of praise, of worship, and we're here to be encouragers for those people out there. We're here to lead them into the presence of Almighty God. What a task. What a joy. You know, what an opportunity. God didn't give everybody that, but He's given us that chance. And if we can't realize the importance of that and the value of that, man, come on. Think about it. God's given you musical skill so that you can create worship for Him. <coughs> What a joy. And so uh, that was kind of my little first uh, reminder to everybody. Uh, if we're going to have longevity in this thing, if we're going to do this long term and do it well, we got to rely on that calling. we got to really depend on that calling. Ken Drain? Yes, sir. How long have you been in music ministry now? I, I quit counting. Yeah. Since 1975. I beat you about one year. I started in 74. Well, not all full-time, but... Uh, yeah. I started in 74 part-time by vocation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been a, it's been a good ride. To the, the thing that I like to, to, to tell people sometimes is um, God has put me in the right place at the right time, everywhere, even though some haven't worked out very well, but He's, he's put me where I need to be, or He's channeled me if I've gone off in a different direction yeah. it's like the light at the end of the tunnel and you go off to a different a different hallway well that hallway has always led back to the to the tunnel where the light is so um, he just has a, a, a wonderful way of, of, of doing that yeah. uh, and so everywhere I've served has been um, I, I've been very fortunate I've never had a, a bad 
pastor. I've worked with, he, he knew I couldn't handle that, so he's he's put me with uh, some really fine ones. And not, not, they didn't go for always for deacons, but, uh, but I've always had uh, uh, good, most of the time supportive pastors. So. And you're going to have all kinds. Uh, I've had some very supportive people. I've had some very musical people. Uh, currently, right now, it's amazing. Uh, the pastor I'm working right now with is the best drummer I've worked with in my life. And to put that combination together, preacher and drummer, that's an oxymoron in my opinion. <laughs> but these, this guy, is he's got a heart for music. He's a great singer. And you know, just a neat guy, and you know, I he's well. Let's put it this way: I'm old enough to be his daddy. But you know, uh, he's 44 years old, but he's got a real musician's heart. At the same time, he loves to be the pastor of the congregation. He's been there for six years, um, and so just a little history. I was in room there five years ago when he first arrived at the church. When he first arrived at the church. They were a very traditional church, and an organ only, okay? Um, they had started while he was there because of his skill on Sunday nights going over to the youth building, and he would play the drums along with a keyboard, and they would do that. Uh, and so uh, he was trying to move them to a more blended style of worship, multi-generational style of worship. And so uh, in that beginning times, just piano and organ, one of the things he wanted was to see if we could implement some more of the modern music, to implement some more medleys like you're dealing with. How can we create some things that fit together? And uh, all those kind of things. And so uh, I had an encouragement from my pastor, just like you do, to make those kind of changes, make those kind of adjustments in the life of our church. Uh, fortunately, I had a very capable and skilled pianist organist that could do those kind of things if I needed them. Um, and so we began the transition in that church. I was there for about eight months. And in that eight months, we went from uh, Sunday nights having just a piano and organ I'm just keyboarding him on the drums. I found a guitar player and was sitting in the church and he started playing guitar with us on Sunday nights. I got two other people up to sing with me on Sunday nights. So we created a praise team idea. I found a saxophone player that wanted to play, a retired dentist that wanted to play. So we started making him charts of everything on that he wanted to play on Sunday nights. So we started giving him chances. And so I would, instead of starting with the, you know, just an introduction by the piano on the keyboard, I would say, okay, give us that little bit of an introduction by the keyboard, but let him play through the first verse and get that little saxy kind of sound going in the room and give it a kind of little different feel. And then we turn around and start singing. And we just started implementing those kind of things. Found a bass player, and we got the bass player playing with us on Sunday nights. But we never ventured into Sunday morning for a while. Okay? It was totally different Sunday night, Sunday morning. Uh, 
I kept what I was doing on Sunday morning was just taking this hymnal. And if you'll notice in this hymnal, I'll give you an example if you've not ever looked at it, but there is like at the bottom of page 238, I just opened it and it's there. At the bottom of 238, there is a little spot that says Segway. Okay? 237 is the same way. Okay? What that means is the way they designed these hymns is that you could go from one to the next. Okay? They're actually key related, so it will work. You can segue one from next to the next. So those three are actually a medley right here. Okay? 237, 237, 238, 239 are a medley put together. So if you're looking for a medley, Debbie, right there is one. Okay? Right there is a medley of how it will work. And in the back, let me see if I can find the page. Um, that's one thing about this hymnal that they did that I was very appreciative of. But let me see if I can find the page. Um, I like it that they have the key after. Yeah. After. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, go to page 808 in the very back. Okay? And they they look at they kind of listed them in a couple of different ways. Index of connective worship. You start on page four with Almighty, you can go into how great is our God and how great thou art. Boom, boom, boom. Okay? Those are linked together, segued together so they will all fit. Okay? They also listed it down the index of worship link, okay, 50, which God of Wonders. In other words, they put two songs there. Most of the connected worship, they've got three, sometimes four. What but does that mean? Does that mean they're in the same key and they have the same They are related keys. They're in situations so that you can go from one to the boom, 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 and never have to go through a key change, feel like, all those kind of things. They're related enough so that you can make them happen, okay? Connected worship or the links. The links are just the same way. It'll fit together, those two. Uh, some of them also, which I really appreciate, they will go in and they will put a passage of Scripture right in front so you could actually read a passage of Scripture if you wanted to. Uh, 170, there is a, there's a Scripture, and then you can go into 170, 171, 172, all those are connected together, okay? You can use that passage of scripture. You can go right from the one to the next to the next. Uh, one of the great things they did with this hymnal is they limited the number of keys that they were going to use. They put everything down in a range where us baritones can sing it, okay? Uh, <clears throat> which I appreciate tremendously. Um, so segue at the bottom of the page yeah. that means that it goes to the next page? It can go to the next page. You can just go right from one to the next to the next. So okay. technically I could get this because we <coughs> we'll put in most everything on the screen now. I could get about three or four copies of this hymnal for me and the accompanist. And, and every, all the words can go on the screen and, and you're reading this right here. Yes. There's a large print too. 
Yeah, if you need it. That's good for me, because I struggle with, I like to be able to see the congregation, but if I'm wearing my glasses, I can see the words, but they're blurry. <laughs> gotcha. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, just to, um, I don't know what you call it, but I've got a group of ladies that meet on Wednesdays. We've been doing this for like five years. It's called the Amazing Grace Group, because every time we hit a hymn that's got the meter, eight, six, eight, six, we sing Amazing Grace to that whatever tune that is, it's just become our our uh, theme. But we've got the segues, some of the segues that they put in this hymnal don't, they don't fly. Uh, they don't, I mean, you can do them and they come out all right, but, the, but the, you have to look at the mood of the hymn. Right. Uh, like I stand amazed with credits, this goes into beneath the cross, which changes the whole color of what you're doing with I stand amazed in, in the presence going to that next one. So we've edited and made our own segues. Yeah. And you can um, do so our headphones just cover just like that. Just cause it's like that. Yeah. yeah, I do a lot of that. I create my own segues. I create my own inserts of songs. So I was kind of say, uh, one of the ones I love to do, I, I just, I heard it from somebody, I guess, or I picked it up from somebody, but I love to do it. Uh, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? All the world will see how great, how great is our God. Then sings my song, my say, keep that same meter and come right up. But how great, how great is our How great is our God? You can jump right back into the chorus again, uh, and my congregation knows when I hit that song, it's gonna, it's probably what we're gonna do, you know. Uh, and that's just one of those little spots where you can throw in that chorus, you can throw in something that creates a nice little segue. Uh, not all of them work. And one of the things that I have also done with my, with, in my situation is um, take the mood that is traditional and change the mood. Like most of us are used to saying, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus Nazarene, you know, and then try to go into being the cross. Doesn't seem to work, but what if you go, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus Nazarene. And they go into being the the cross of Jesus. You just switch the mood of the one to make it fit the next one. And sometimes I learn maybe what we've sung it, the way we've sung it all the time, maybe we need to switch that up. <clears throat> you know, one of the things I have explained to my congregation a couple of times, if we sing I Stand Amazed in the Presence like we've always sung it, are we really listening to that text. But if you listen to that text and say, I stand in the presence. I'm not going to sing it with a raucous kind of you know, I'm going to slow that sucker down. And I'm going to really reflect on the simple fact that I'm standing in the presence of Almighty God. And so just that kind of explanation to your congregation sometimes what a difference. And like I said, LifeWayWorship.com has become my friend. I spend as much time on it as I do this because they've taken LifeWayWorship.com, they've taken songs like I Stand Amazed in the Presence, 
and they've slowed them down or they put them with a different rhythmic feel underneath them. Uh, one of the ones I love lately that I've discovered is uh, Praise Him, Praise Him. It, they have changed, they've left the melody alone, but they've changed the accompaniment underneath. Well, our congregation might be able to fit all the words in now. Our yes. take that. Yes. Break next speed. <laughs> yes. Let me see if I can get there. Hold See, while you look at that, I had a yeah. this one time. I couldn't sing it anymore at the church because she would play, we, we'd do uh, praise him, praise him. She'd go, praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Sing, oh, earth is wonder. Because she couldn't play the, the fast part that fast. So yeah. it's slow it down with your tempo. So finally I got the point where I quit singing it. Let me see if this is the one. that joyful song they did a little but your congregation doesn't know that they'll just sing it like they've always sung it you know but you can actually follow along you can see the uh, full uh on here you've got everything and i don't know why for some reason this thing is not catching it like it did yesterday it's getting the powerpoint but not anything else uh but that's the kind of things that will help you if you can find it and you can buy just the accompaniment piano my second step at Blue Ridge is I bought a keyboard for the worship center. And I convinced my organist on the more contemporary songs, turn around and we're going to use more of a string sound. And you're going to play keyboard here. So she was doing this. Come an organ, if I wanted organ, she was doing keyboard if I wanted keyboard. Okay. Eventually, I did what you did. I bought a cajon. Well, let me put it this way. I borrowed a cajon, okay? We were gonna do, uh, back when, these are the days of the life declaring the word of the Lord, okay? Uh, we were gonna do that with the choir. And I said, this just doesn't need to happen with just piano and organ sound, you know? I need a little bit of rhythm under it. And so I, the preacher, being a good drummer, I said, why don't we borrow a cajon and get somebody to play it? He said, well, we got a young man in the church 
that I think is pretty rhythmic. I think we can get him to do it. I said, okay, I'm gonna borrow one. You teach him the rhythmic pattern that we need underneath it, and then let's go with it on a Sunday morning in a couple of weeks. Borrowed it, come home. A couple of weeks later, we did it. Congregation went nuts. You know, that song's exciting anyway, you know. And I had him sitting off in the corner. We got a balcony, we got the piano in the pit, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's sitting behind the piano, so you just barely hear, you know, the little. That's all you hear, just a little bit of. Okay. By the next Sunday, we were doing something else, and I'd already taken the cajon back. Well, by the end of the service, we had at least a dozen people come to us and say, where was that box thing that that boy was beating on? We liked that thing. Why are we not using that in worship? And I said, well, it was borrowed. I mean, I had to take it back. By Wednesday night, we had two. People had gone out and bought them and brought them to us. Put that thing back in worship. And that's how we introduced the beginning of a drum rhythm section into the life of our church. We just did a teenage boy, high school boy, and he started doing it. Now, the preacher was the better drummer, but because it was a teenage boy, a kid that had grown up there. I was about to say, I think I think if I could find some younger people in our congregation that wanted to, I don't think anybody in our congregation would naysay them wanting to do that. But if I brought in somebody, I don't I think that would go with well. Go, I found it. Yeah, go across the hall to your band director at your school and see if he's got somebody in the percussion section that is looking for a place to play. You might find one. I found that not to to not to skip the girls. I've been in two churches right. where young teenage girls yeah. just were, were excellent. Because yeah. all you really need from a cajon is just a steady beat. Steady beat. You don't have to do all that fancy, you know, no muting and all that kind of stuff. You're looking for a steady beat. It's nice. Yeah. It works well in small churches as well, like because then you exactly. don't have to worry about a kid and, and walls. And a lot of people are they they, they would consider maybe a drum kit like of the devil, but a cajon is you know something a little bit. We just don't, we don't have the platform space. We don't have very much space up there, so that would fit. Okay. I mean, that would be an easy. Just One thing I also did this time as opposed to when I used to another church, is I, I went just to music center and I just bought it myself because I didn't want to add to the church. I'm only intern there and I didn't want to ask the church to buy it. So I bought a little $54 one and it sits in your lap. And it look, it's, 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 it gives the sound of like a, like a bongo kind of thing, but it's a box, it looks nice and, yeah, and you conservative. Yeah. But also I'm thinking probably 70% of our congregation is, over, is older than I am. And I'm not going to be able to get an older man to sit there and lean over and start beating on a cajon. But they might sit in their lap and just sit there and pop like that. Right. Do any of you still conduct? Or do you just hold the mic? Well, I mean, you're playing guitar. I don't know how to conduct. I'm bottom of the music theory. Okay. I, I conduct the beginnings and the endings and any time I want to change tempo. Okay. I, I conduct entrances. Like, I will, I'll get... I, I tell them a downbeat, three, four, and then I just drop out, okay? And then I'll turn to the congregation and here's where we're starting, you know, the four measure introduction. Then I'll give them the congregation, here's where we start. I'll maybe do a measure or two and then I drop out. I'm doing, I'm on a mic 
and then uh, when it comes to the end of it, you know, if it's a hymn and it's the last four, you know, uh, hold, bum, bum, I do that, get them back in, or if I want to slow it down somewhere, that kind of stuff, I do that. Uh, I have quit conducting the whole time everything. because they're not looking at me anyway. Well, our organists, our accompanists do prefer me to, but I realize that's sometimes a little bit intimidating to the congregation. And I did tell them, I said, you know, you guys play the prelude and the operatory without me every week. Well, you really and, don't need me. Yeah, here, here's, here's the one thing that I, I say to my accompanist. Um, when's the last time you really looked up at me anyway? You look at me when you're starting, you look at me when we're stopping. But in the middle of that song, you never look at me, you're looking at that page, you're doing this. I do feel like our organist looks up quite a bit. I think he wants to make sure, he's very conscientious making sure everything's going well. Are you super? You're lucky. Are you playing? No. Any band that I've ever played guitar in, any worship set, I tell the, the leader, I want, I want to see two things. I want to see you, and I want to see the drummer. And and that's all, because I'm watching him, and if that foot starts tapping differently, I'm watching, or if I've got a drummer, everybody's supposed to follow the drummer. Right. Yeah. Or, or, your, or your percussion. You're in trouble. You're, yeah, percussion is your thing. So when I'm up there, I, 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 tell, I, I, have, I have this, just a, a little heel movement that I do, which is just habit. And people will watch that. Watch my heel. If you want to tempo, watch my heel. That heel there is keeping the tempo. I think it's a, a preferential thing. If you prefer doing it and your congregation is, is okay with you doing it, I would do it. I would say the people but, who have always gone to church there are probably, it doesn't matter to it them. It doesn't matter. But, you know, to visitors coming in, it might be, might be a little The key is now they're looking here and here instead of here. Most of the time, congregational singing. They're looking to words. They're not looking words. at you anyway. You know, when you put the words on screens, they're not paying any attention to you anyway. You're <coughs> conducting. You're conducting for your band. Mm -hmm. You're conducting for your musicians. Uh, that's all you're conducting for. Uh, and if you feel like you need it, do it. If you don't, don't. Make sure uh, to start like. Is there something different yeah. between what you yeah. practice and when you get up there? Okay. Do you, get, you guys have practices? Sir, you have practices before? I do. I, I do. meet my guys at I meet my guys at nine o'clock every Sunday morning. Sweet. We go nine nine forty five. They've had the music since Wednesday. Uh, they've had the chance to sit, look at it, and then nine nine forty five we go over and make any corrections, any changes yeah, I want to make. Because in in my descriptor, it you know it's all marked up. We're going to do this measure to this measure. We're going to do this is this time that kind of stuff. Uh, they have a full layout of the whole service. Uh, is that a printout of PDF or a... Okay, currently, because of the way we are at this church, it is strictly uh, printed out music that we stick in their slots and they come by on Wednesday and pick it up. Straight music. Straight yeah, music. Sure. I got, I don't it's know straight print. music right now. It's totally printed music. If you've never used it, Planning Center Online is a new resource that's out there, been out there several years now, but it is a fabulous tool that you can actually put all your music on 
they can actually then put it, use a tablet if they need to use music. Uh, it's, it's right there for them. They can practice with it at home from their tablet. Uh, it's all online based. Let's say my brother plays tuba in his church orchestra, and I know his all at a certain point it downloads to his tablet. And then he got one of the Bluetooth <coughs> pedals. Right. He said it's hard for him, it's hard to turn pages. Lightning Center online. Yep, that's it. Or there is another way, if you don't want to go to the expense of that, you can actually buy a program uh, called Fourscore or there's one gig book something that there are several programs that are out there that you can actually then uh what you do with four store that i use is you drop all your music into a dropbox you just you know copy and put it in a dropbox and i can put it on dropbox and pull it into four store and set up my whole flow and if i can use my tablet and it all I gotta do is tap the screen, tap the screen, it turns it back, turns it back, turns it back. Now, do you have a projector where you are now? We have projectors. Do you run that or does somebody else? In the movie. In the back. And he's there for rehearsal too. So that we make sure every word is correct. We make sure he knows exactly where we're going back to. And he knows my little signals. See our sound our tech people are on a rotation right now and I'm I find the quality of what happens to be Yeah, that's turn it is. That is, that is. I have young, some young, young people whose parents don't get there early, so, but, but, but it gets set up before they get yeah. there. You've got to make sure it's all set when they get there, and then when they're there, make sure they run through it with you, that they see exactly what you're going to do. I've got little signals that if I'm going to do something that is not printed, you know, or not in the plan, if I just decide we're going to do that course again, I just pick up a C and they say, hey, he's good. And I'll go, let's do that, you know, and I'll say, let's go to the chorus, and here we, we go. We repeat. You know, we repeat. repeat. Yeah, that's right. Repeat. <laughs> you know, you create your own little signals. That's not signals. That's American Sign Language. That's right. American it works. That's right. You do whatever you need to do to help them understand, you know, what is going to happen if you do something that is not lined out for them. But... Uh, those are the kind of things that we all work to kind of accomplish. Yeah, I, I, I will tell you also, um, to finish the story of Blue Ridge a little bit, uh, as I was winding my time down there, the pastor was saying, I want to get the drums into the worship center. Where do we put them? How do we do this? And I said, well, I said, the thing you need to do because a live kid is what he loves to play. I said, it's gonna to be too loud in this room. I said, so take your piano out of its little hole, put it on the floor. You'll have to take out this one pew right here, but you look, nobody will miss it, okay? Nobody sits there anyway, okay? Put your piano on the floor, put your drum kit in the hole where the piano was. And when I left there, that's what they did. And that's where it's been ever since. Okay? In the five years. <laughs> we put everybody else in behind them over on that side. Okay, now I'm back. That was that, that happened, that stayed that way until uh, um, now I've come back. 
and actually this uh, next couple of months we're going to extend our platform out four more feet we're going to finish it out all the way across we're going to take out the little piano and the <coughs> poles and we're going to put them up on the platform and the drum kit will actually find its place up where it needs to be and will give us actually another row for the choir which we run out of space for but uh, we're in the process of working out all the details to get that done in the next couple of months but it's just you know the progression of trying to bring those instruments in bring them in slowly work them in so that people can do with it um, and i did i found that kid and he played drums for us and then the preacher started playing and they started swapping in and out uh, now he's gone off to college and pastor doing it all the time but uh, uh, young lady is my bass guitar player she's a fabulous bass guitar player and does a really fine job on the bass guitar I've got two acoustic guitar players that swap in and out. Uh, one of them's more bluegrass, so I got to be careful. You know, he wants to get everything in bluegrass and kind of lick. So I just got to watch with him, keep him online. Uh, the other thing that you can do with the resource that is right here, if you will purchase the piano accompaniments mm -hmm. that are on lifeboyworship.com, instead of just using the hymns, what they did on LifeWayWorship.com is they created a full anthem-style arrangement of every song. Every song in that book looks more like an anthem if you buy it on LifeWayWorship.com. It has either got a four or an eight-measure introduction. It has, if you need it, what's called a turnaround. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go from verse and have a little bridge section back to the verse, it's got a little turnaround in every hymn. It has got a way to end every hymn if you want to just go first, you know, and then end it. Many of them, they've said, okay, this one really lends itself for a key change if you want it. So they've built into it. You go three verses and a key change is there and you can go and finish it out with a big one. And it's, it's created accompaniments and full score available charts if you want. And you only have to buy the chart you want. You can buy just the guitar with the capo or without the capo, okay? You can buy uh, just the vocal line, the lead sheet. You can buy just the flute part or just the clarinet, whatever you've got available to you, you can buy just those individual pieces. And like I shared your, with last time, uh, once you buy them, they're part of your library, so you don't have to read. You don't have to constantly be, be rebuying. Okay, they're there for you once you buy them. And as I said when we were together the other day, it's that uh, it goes through your Lifeway account. So all that money, if you're doing, did I see on that handout right that if you prepay a certain amount, then there's a discount yes, for what you. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. What would be if you do prepay like I do? I put money in. If you prepay, what was going to be a dollar fifty-nine is a dollar eleven or less, depending on how much you prepay and how much you buy. So, so I could designate budget to that just on the right. outset. That's right. Right. And it'll keep you posted as to how much is in there, so you'll know if you need to put some more in there down the road. Uh, and it really is a great resource. So. Yeah, you can get it multiple keys so that, you know, sometimes the keys that are here don't work, but the keys that 
you might want to make it fit mm -hmm. might be available okay. so you can get them that way uh, now let me see if I can get this thing to cooperate with me all right here all right you know it's called you let me see if I can get to the next slide that I wanted to go to this is an interesting little time now okay here we go um, one of the things I've discovered now in my role is that uh, I better keep my priorities straight because I'm a workaholic. I can get myself too involved with church and forget my family and forget my personal relationship with the Lord and forget my um, other job if I have another job like you do. And so you got to make sure that you establish your problem. Uh, it can get overwhelming sometimes. And so that finding that balance, that's tough. And that's the hardest thing to communicate to your full-time pastor. My pastor's my vocational also. Okay. But, and this is not, <coughs> this is not meant to be a slam, but he doesn't have any children. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't know those it's roles. A, it's a whole different. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I feel like for him than it is for me. Yeah. Um. Sometimes I have to bring my children to the staff meeting, and it's just my life right now. But hey, I, 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 my, my kids still laugh because I show them pictures. But my kids still laugh at the simple fact that I have pictures of me directing youth choir. And one of my kids between my legs doing imitating what daddy is doing. My six-year-old is usually right right here. Uh, sometimes on Sunday morning, and I thought, well, and I used to apologize for it, but not anymore. <laughs> no, you're teaching them as you do that. You really are. You're my mentoring them along with the life of the church. Yeah, it's my grandkids now that are imitating. <laughs> so it's fun to watch that happen. Uh, all right. I'm going to run through these pretty quick. Just some things that I've thought of that I wanted to make sure you knew. Establish your priorities. Manage your time. Uh, those are some things that we need to do. Deal with conflict. Okay. Now, uh, I was taught that a long time ago. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies even closer. Um, I've worked with one difficult pastor that I never could get close to. Part of it was my fault. And looking back, I realize that now. Um, I, I was at a juncture in my life where my kids were um, early teens. Uh, and having three kids, I was preoccupied with my kids. He had grown kids, so his life was totally different than mine. We did not communicate well. Um, he went through having congestive heart failure, was out of the pulpit for six months. When he came back, um, he was he was a different guy. And we never communicated well. I regret that because that was not a good place for me. It didn't work out well, okay? Um, one of the things I have taken from that is if I have somebody that's in the choir that I feel is a little different, somebody in the church that gives me a hard time, 
man, I smother them. I mean, I you cannot, I cannot tell you how much time I invest in that person because I want them to hear my heart. And I want them to know that I'm not there to be their enemy. I'm there to be their support. And from that juncture in my ministry to today, I have not come across somebody that I can't win over. I've not come across a pastor or a staff member that I can't develop a good relationship with just because of what I went through at that juncture back in my ministry. I realized I gotta be I gotta get to know those people. They gotta get to know my heart. If I expect to be the leader they need to in that church, I've gotta be working at that constantly. And I'm not talking about just musical. I get to know their kids, I get to know everything you know, I wanna know everything about them. And I'm gonna invest my time to make sure that they're no longer my enemy, they're my friend. Okay? Uh and we still get, you, you got them in every church. You got those naysayers, you got those folks that are real critical, very negative. Um, how, do you, how do you handle that? Because we've got a family that is anti-projector and anti-anything out of the hymnal, or that's not out of the hymnal, excuse me. And they haven't said anything to me, and they still smile, and, <gasps> and then they post on their Facebook, how art, uh, you know, articles about how the projectors are the downfall of church music, um, <laughs> and I know, I know that it may be not necessarily geared toward me, but it it, it does reflect on me and touch, because I, like I said, I never would have been the first one to suggest a projector, but I'm not against it either. Right. I mean, whatever we need to make worship effective and and to help our congregation, and that's what we need to be doing. But how, how do you handle that? Do you, do you just let it go, or? If I think it's gonna come back to me, my first thing is I'm gonna go and be invest in their life. I'm gonna get, and I'm not even gonna mention the projectors. I'm not even gonna talk about it. I'm just gonna make them my friend. I'm gonna figure out a way to have them in my house, I'm gonna figure out a way to get to know their kids. I'm gonna really get dialogue going with those people to the point that I hope they will get comfortable enough to say, well, I don't like those screens. And if they say that, then I've got an open door. But I don't ever go into there with an agenda. I'm gonna fix their attitude about those screens, okay? Um, one of the things that I did when we put them at Duluth is I got the preacher to tell the folks why we put these up. And I also worked with the worship planning team, as I mentioned yesterday. And one of my members I developed on that worship planning team was a senior adult lady. And many of the complaints were coming from the senior adults, okay? And so I got Joe who was part of our team. I said, Joe, we're hearing this kind of stuff out of the senior adult department. Would you get a chance to say to that group, on behalf of our worship planning team, 
we want you to understand why these are here. Uh, and these are not here as a, uh, as a crutch. These are not here to take away from the music that we're singing. They're here just to enhance our worship time, to give folks a chance to, to get their heads up out of books, to get their chance to sing and praise the Lord. We, whatever I could give her, I gave her. You know, I said, and you explain it to them. And she did a good job. You know, I'll have to give kudos to our, our senior adult ladies can make or break anything that happens in our church. I don't know if it's that way anymore, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's where it's at. But they were really supportive because they realized immediately. Um, I can read that better than I can read that. Exactly. And uh, one of the biggest complaints we have, we don't have this anymore, we have that older one. There are so many of their beloved favorites that got left out of of the old one. quote unquote the new hymnal yeah <laughs> to that they say right. that, that new hymnal that they said oh we can sing that again we can sing that now whenever right. we and, and they were yep they were all for it this particular lady i have to make is is my age but yeah never know you never know what the best tool is but man getting into there and finding out is talking to them will do with it Okay, um, this has become paramount for me in the last little bit. I thought I did a pretty decent job with this when I was in work in uh, in uh, full time ministry, but I realized when I stepped into uh, retirement life, uh, I had not done a good job with this, and this has definitely become a priority. Make your personal spiritual walk a priority. If you cannot, if you're not doing it, you can't model it. And they need to see your walk as you step on that platform every Sunday. And if you expect to stay long term, you better make sure this is strong. Okay? Uh, another one that I have struggled with lately, especially with young guys, is this, ministry versus musician. Um, when God called me, I felt the call to ministry, and music is my tool. I didn't feel the call to be a professional band guy or performer on a stage, musician, and use music as ministry as scapegoat. But many of our younger guys have come through the, the time frame where they've watched Super Wild and they've watched all these big major concerts where these famous musicians are making their big bucks and they're performing on stage to thousands and they think, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna be the next Chris, you know, Tom. Or I'm gonna be the next, you know, Steve Cruz, or you know, one of those guys. And I'm going to be my, I'm going to be a performer. And we got to realize that what we do, I think, in the life of the local church has nothing to do with being performed stage. we got to be the minister first if we're going to be able to do what we're called to do uh, and be able to do it long term. Because you'll notice many of our pastors are now saying he has the look what happens when you no, have, no longer have the look? Okay? 
it used to be about 50 to 55, we saw that age frame where, okay, music ministers needed to transition to something else or something because they were getting too old. Do you realize now it's about 42? They no longer have the look. Okay. I never had the look. I, I've never had the look. Okay. And my, my wife used to say, you've got the ministerial swoop. You know, I've backed it up now. But, you know, you used to have that swoop of hair. She said, you got the ministerial swoop. You know, I, that's the only way I could come close to having the look, you know. But, you know, it, it's a different age. And if we're not careful, uh, what we think is going to be the next trend is going to, we're not going to be able to keep up with. And we're not going to be able to survive in ministry unless we're called to ministry and not a musician on the stage. Okay? And one of the things that I think is a negative right now that is not there that needs to happen is role models. Um, and I'm not trying to toot our horn, Ken, or Phil. But some of us have done this a long time. We know how to survive. We know how to make it 45 years in the music ministry. Okay? Um, and I'll tell you how I did. I was a young kid, came out of college at Carson Newman College, which is university now. But I came out of Carson Newman College in 1978 and I went to Kingsport, Tennessee to be the Minister of Music and Education and Youth, all three jobs, at Lynn Garden Baptist Church. I was green as a gourd. I mean, never had done any of what I'd been doing, a little part-time volunteer church, you know, running about 100 people up until that point. But this was my first full-time ministry, okay? When I walked into that church, and I started trying to figure out how to do things. I there, nobody taught me how to do a budget. Nobody, you know, there were the classes at university on that, doing a music budget. You know, nobody taught me much about how to do a car rehearsal. <laughs> Sunday comes every week, and everything I'd ever been in in college, we were we learned a whole bunch of music, and we sang it over and over and over and over and over for all the concerts for all semester. You know, we didn't have to do something every week to get it ready every week nobody taught me how to get music ready every week and so i spent time going straight to people some of the music ministers in my city i went to uh bill robinson at first baptist church kingsport tennessee bill robinson was the first guy one of the first guys in our convention to add instruments into the life of our church because he was a violinist and his son was a cello player. He had brought his kids up and that kind of stuff. And so he knew how to bring instruments in. I went up and talked to him. I would call Bill and say, hey, I gotta do a budget. How do I do a budget? You know, and he, he spent the time with me to mentor me. The problem we face today is so many of our younger guys don't see us as mentors. They see us as threats. Oh, that's the old guy. He did it that way. We don't need to do it that way anymore. Well, I think most of us that are at this age have a desire to see the next generation follow us and see them do it well with quality 
and we would give our eye teeth to have the time to invest in somebody else. And all we need to do is be asked. And so um, I'm just in trying to encourage folks that are starting out in this kind of thing. Find your folks that you need to follow and go spend time with them. Figure out how to do it. You may not do it the way they do it, but at least figure out from them how they did it. What were their thought processes? What were the things that helped them get to where they are? Because they made it the long haul. <coughs> and then, Steve? Yes, sir? Can I share with you my favorite quote? Sure. He who steals from me steals twice. Yes, sir? And that's not original. I stole it from somebody else. Yeah. Original. Yeah. Nothing I do is original. I stole it from somebody else. Yeah. It's good enough for them to do. Yep. And I can create it that I'm going to do that also. Yep. And then here's my last one. We can get so caught up in being so somber and so religious that we forget to have fun along the way. This 45 years, there have been some days that were not fun. But there have also been some great days. Some days of fun and celebration. I mean, I, you know, serving at First Baptist Duluth for 10 years. Um, I thank God for that experience because it gave me a chance to do everything and that I'd ever wanted to do in music ministry. To minister to people that loved music, that loved being a part of music ministry, that saw the challenge of taking music ministry beyond our four walls and taking it to the world. We took choir tours across, you know, we went to France, we went to, you know, we, I took kids 10 years straight, boom, boom, somewhere across the United States. Saw kids now that are out there serving in ministry because of what we were able to do. Um, I had the joy just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was up in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. A friend of mine uh, passed away, and uh, I went to uh, his funeral. Uh, and the pastor at this church. <laughs> was one of my kids in my very first church when I was a youth minister back in college, Jeff Rollins. Okay. Trinity Baptist Church, Raleigh, North Carolina now. Uh, Bob Schaefer had died. Bob had been a youth minister for 20, 30 years, something like that. They had a great relationship. I went to Bob's funeral, not thinking anything about Jeff, but I thought, yeah, I'll get to see Jeff, that kind of stuff. When I walked in the door to go to the funeral, Jeff is standing in the lobby. He comes running up to me and grabs me. He said, I'm so glad you're here. Bob would love the fact that you're here. Come here, I want you to meet some folks. And he started taking me around to the deacons in his church saying, hey, I want you to meet the guy that was my youth pastor when I was a kid. You know what that made me do? It just made me swell up inside that maybe I had a little impact on getting that kid from where he was as a teenager to where he's now pastor of that church. And so, you know, those of us that have done it life, <clears throat> I hate to say this, but just, when we get older, we cry more, don't we? You know, uh, but when we, that thrills us 
to know that we've had a chance to mentor, to make an impact in the life of somebody way back there. And so um, don't be afraid to ask and have all while you're doing it, okay? Uh, and I'll say to you, Debbie, I'll say to you, if there's anything I'm available, wsteve.brown at gmf, uh, I'm not gmf anymore, I'm gmail, I'm gmail.com. If I can help you, I would welcome the opportunity. All right? Uh, and just to give me a, a call, or, and my, my, I'll, I'll give you my cell number, 678-524-8037. I would love the opportunity just to, to hang around with you and see what God's doing in your life. Anything else? Anybody question-wise? Anything? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy that we have as we serve you, and I pray, God, that your blessings will be on these folks as they go back tomorrow to serve their local churches. That you give them the ability to stand in front of their congregations with a joy and a freshness and an excitement about what you want to do in and through them that they sense your calling afresh and new on their lives and that you would use them to glorify you. And I pray this in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys.